This is the emdocs.net podcast with Britt Long and Manny Singh. We bring you high-yield content about what you're seeing every day in the ED. This is part two on CAR T-cell complications. Last time, we looked at cytokine release syndrome. For this episode, we're going to look at neurotoxicity, cytopenias, graft-versus-host disease, and some cardiac toxicity. Let's start off with neurotoxicity. This is known as cytokine release encephalopathy syndrome or immune effector cell-associated neurotoxicity syndrome. I'm going to use ICANS for the rest of our discussion. This can occur days to weeks following CAR T-cell infusion, and there are some other associations with other types of immunotherapy. Patients with B-cell diseases are the most commonly affected. This can occur in anywhere between 40 to 64% of patients in the first eight weeks of therapy. There are several regimens that are more commonly associated with ICANS because they cause faster T-cell expansion and metabolism. Some other risk factors for ICANS are patients who are younger, if they have a higher disease burden, there's increased intensity of cancer therapies, and if they have concomitant cytokine release syndrome. Actually, up to 90% of patients with ICANS also have cytokine release syndrome. There are a couple underlying thoughts of why ICANS occurs, but it's not completely understood. It might be due to cytokines that cause activation of endothelial cells, and then they disrupt the blood-brain barrier. Neurotoxic substances are also elevated in patients with ICANS. The problem is that once the blood-brain barrier is disrupted, those neurotoxic substances can cause neuronal inflammation and damage. These patients can present with a variety of symptoms, but it all comes down to neurologic findings. Headache, memory loss, dizziness, meningismus, altered mental status, movement disorders, aphasia or dysarthria, seizures, encephalopathy, and coma. The key here is to think about ICANS in patients who present with neurologic findings after receiving CAR T-cell therapy or some other immunotherapy, and also patients who have cytokine release syndrome, and they also have neurologic findings. You're going to obtain your normal labs in a patient with altered mental status, but you also want to look for an elevated LDH, thrombocytopenia, and elevated inflammatory markers. If you do end up performing an LP, the findings are usually normal or you might see a mild elevation of protein and pleocytosis. Make sure to obtain neuroimaging. Your first-line imaging modality is going to be a CT of the head. You need to look for other complications like a bleed, an abscess, or a metastasis. In patients with severe ICANs, you can see cerebral edema on CT with sulcal effacements and white matter changes. The imaging modality of choice is MRI, but this is normal in over half of patients. 
about 30% of cases will demonstrate T2 or flare hyperintensities. If an EEG is obtained, you'll most likely see evidence of encephalopathy with theta delta wave slowing. Now, there is a grading system for ICANs. This incorporates the ICE score, the level of consciousness, seizures, the motor exam, and evidence of elevated intracranial pressure. The ICE score is something that incorporates orientation, naming, following commands, writing, and then attention. You can pull the score up on any bedside calculator. We'll have a table in the show notes that you can use as a reference. Basically, patients with grade 1 disease have some mild changes, maybe some inattentiveness and mild disorientation. Grade 2 disease is marked by more moderate changes in the level of consciousness, and grades 3 and 4 are severe. These patients can have seizures, they may have motor findings like weakness, and they're going to have elevated intracranial pressure or cerebral edema. Let's talk about management. Your first step, consult your hematology oncology specialist. The rest of your management is based on the grade of ICANs. Grade 1 patients need some supportive care, IV fluids, and you need to look for any concomitant pathologies. Grade 2 patients need an anti-epileptic and a low-dose steroid like dexamethasone 10 mg. Grades 3 and 4 are the severe patients. Patients with grade 3 disease need repeat dosing of the dexamethasone, they need an anti-epileptic, and if there's evidence of increased ICP, you need to raise that head of the bed and administer hypertonic saline or mannitol. Steroids will reduce the ICP in most cases. Also speak with your neurosurgical colleagues for these patients. Grade 4 patients will need high-dose steroids, and they may require some other neurosurgical interventions and investigational medications. Let's move on to the other complications, and we're going to start with infusion reactions. These are mild, and they're pretty rare. Patients might have some nausea, vomiting, but there have been case reports of hypotension and even anaphylaxis. CAR T-cell therapy can affect a vast array of cell lines. You can see hypogamma globulinemia from B-cell aplasia. Hypogamma globulinemia is actually associated with a complete response to therapy. IgG levels decrease a couple months after the infusion, and they can remain low up to four years. If patients have low IgG levels, they're usually treated with IVIG. Cytopenias can also occur for several weeks following therapy. The most common one is neutropenia. Up to 80% of cases can have absolute neutrophil counts less than 1,000, and neutropenic fever can occur in anywhere between 17 to 37% of patients. So if these patients have a fever, make sure to closely look at that CBC and that differential. Patients can have thrombocytopenia as well. That occurs in up to 38% of cases. Our next complication is graft-versus-host disease. 
This can occur in patients who receive donor-derived T-cells, but it's very unlikely because of that in vitro modification of T-cells. Prior episodes of graft-versus-host disease do increase the risk of future episodes. Current literature suggests the risk of graft-versus-host disease is low in patients receiving CAR T-cell therapy. A meta-analysis found that less than 7% of patients who received the infusion with donor-derived cells developed graft-versus-host disease. In that meta-analysis, graft-versus-host disease presented most commonly with skin symptoms like a rash and liver involvement. The final complication is cardiac toxicity. This can occur in up to 39% of patients and includes arrhythmias, cardiomyopathy, heart failure, and even cardiac arrest. Cardiac toxicity is most likely due to elevated levels of IL-6. This has direct cardiac effects. CAR T-cell therapy can also cause direct cardiotoxicity because of potential cross-reactivity with proteins that are expressed by cardiac tissue. Patients who are older and those who have pre-existing cardiovascular risk factors do have a higher risk of new-onset cardiomyopathy. Patients with an acute coronary occlusion are going to be treated no differently. They still require percutaneous coronary intervention. Tocilizumab can be used to treat cardiac toxicity due to CAR T-cell therapy, but this is primarily going to be used in the ICU setting. In summary, keep ICANs on your differential in that sick patient who presents with neurologic findings after receiving CAR T-cell therapy. Make sure to obtain imaging, speak with your oncology specialist, and start steroids. Other complications include infusion reactions, cytopenias, graft-versus-host disease, and cardiac toxicity. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. 